This is Mind Wars. I'm Chris Ryan, and on today's show, I got Don Lester and David Parker. And I got them on because I've just been reading this book that they've got called um, What Really Makes You Ill? Uh, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease Is Wrong. And I have to say, it's an absolutely amazing book. I've been dissecting chapters in it myself, and I've been reverting back to serious other chapters as well. And what I actually like, and I spoke to them before the show, if we started as well, is the contents page. It might be something simple to some people, but it's amazing because it's such a, a huge monster of a book. And it really, really does turn the medical industry completely on its head. Everything you've been indoctrinated, be you're a medical professional or somebody trying to learn about it, it completely turns everything on its head and backed up a tremendous amount of evidence that cannot be argued in my case. Um, it's, it really is a truly, truly a, a book that I would highly recommend for anybody that's getting, getting a book um, this year. Is, is please do go out and get that book because it really is amazing. And I'm so delighted to have him on here with me today so we can actually delve into some of these um, topics. Obviously, there's so many topics I would love to get into, but with time constraints and everything else, I would actually just like to keep it to a couple of topics. And of course, the most important one that everybody is talking at the moment is the the whole COVID-19, or as I'd say, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic hoax, which I've been calling it out like yourself for months and months since this started. And it's absolutely nothing got to do with controlling a virus, alleged virus, but everything got to do with controlling humanity for nefarious agendas that are that are down the line for us and currently under underway and have been underway if we go back to Agenda 21 and times before that itself. But uh, without further ado, um, I'd like to welcome uh, Dawn and uh, David on the show today. Well, Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris, and thank you for inviting us on your show. It's really great to be able to chat to you. No, I uh, It's it. always good to talk to kindred spirits. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, particularly as in these really important times, you know, we, we believe, and I'm sure you do too, this is a very pivotal, pivotal, get the words out, it's a very pivotal time in for humanity as a whole, you know, and I, uh, that's no exaggeration. So uh, that's why we're all working as hard as we can to get this in the truth out there. Yes. Um, as as quickly as we can, uh, because yes. um, the consequences if people don't wake up and take some action, uh, the consequences uh, are very dire for the future. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm not uh, joking when I say that. No, I so, would. Uh... I'd, I'd I'd fully agree with what you're saying as well. And um, you know that's why censorship has gone to the roof because it's the greater the fabricated lie that they've portrayed on humanity for for many many decades before any COVID nineteen came around the place. It's, it's on the next scale. So the, instead of debating me or you or anybody like that that's out there to seek truth, nothing but the truth in that, in that uh, an area, no matter how much we uncover the corruption to get to the truth, we need to get that, which is vital. Um, these people just don't want to debate. So these ways not to, is just basically delete us, censor us as much as you can because they're running scared of what's actually ahead and the people like yourself is getting out the truth to people, especially with this, this uh, the book you have at the moment um, is, it's, yeah, words can't justify how, how good it is. Um, that it completely flips everything on its head. But what I'd like to get into before we do get into some of the, the topics and all that in it as well and what's going on at the moment is, I suppose, let's take a small bit back in time because I know it took you 10 years to write a book. Now, to some people, that's that's a huge, and it is, it's a huge, huge amount of time to write a book on itself, I suppose. So my question to me will be, what, how did it take so long was there ever a time after the fourth or sixth or seventh year that you kind of said, you know what, we're losing a bit of momentum here, we can't go on? Or because of what you were uncovering, and the book <laughs> clearly details that, that you go, no, we're going to keep going, keep going, as to get more and more out there. And how did you come to, I suppose, an area that you felt that maybe it wasn't going to take you 12 or 13 years? Because it's, there's always the book is always open in certain areas where you can just keep going, keep going forever. So I suppose what fascinated you? Because I know 
you don't come from a medical background. And I'd actually look at that as quite a, a good thing. Uh, and definitely when you read the book anyway, um, it's a good thing because you don't, you haven't been through that decades and decades, this indoctrination that's consistently on um, humanity and, and, and the medical system itself that's been going on for a long, long time that way. So I suppose what then got you so dedicated or so interested on this journey to, to where we are now today? Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair question. Uh, well, we, Dom and I have, have uh, wrote a couple of little books before this uh, mammoth 800-page 800, 800 one. Um, and the very first book we were writing was about the nature of reality. So totally different. Uh, so it was more a physics science book uh, to know what is there a purpose to life? What's life all about? What happens to you when you die? To, to ask those questions, you know, big questions, really. Um, and we wrote under our pen name at that time, which was NOR, stands for Nature of Reality. We didn't write under our, our proper names at that time. Uh, but it was while we were writing that first book that we were writing, you know, health came into it. So we were writing about health. And we had, there was a section where we got to write about viruses. And we realised uh, we, we didn't know very much about them at the time. But safe to say that we believed at that time, and we're going back 13 or 15 years probably, we believe what everyone else believed, you know, we were taught the same things that uh, um, diseases were caused by germs, you know, either bacteria or viruses, uh, vaccinations were good for you, uh, the medical establishment was based on science and they knew what they were doing, uh, that's what we were taught, that's what we believed. Uh, but anyway, we started to look into viruses for this book and we realised it was a tin of worms. You know, and the very first disease that we happened to look at purely by chance was HIV AIDS. And we realized then, as we started looking at it, there was a big controversy. Uh, there was groups of doctors as well as scientists, and some were saying there's no virus that causes AIDS, and others were saying, yes, there is, you know, certainly the mainstream was. And we thought, oh, this is very strange. Well, how can there be a controversy about it? You know, either there is a virus or there isn't. Mm. Anyway, cutting a very long story short, because we, we did go into that a lot, and, and it's all detailed in the book, we soon realised that uh, actually there was no virus causing AIDS. There was very simple reasons uh, for why this small group of, as it was at the time, homosexual men in San Francisco were coming down with this supposedly unknown disease. Uh, and it was down to their lifestyle, not because they were homosexuals. It's just that they were uh, high users of recreational drugs, which was... Uh, what they call poppers, which is uh, amyl nitrate, very toxic to the body, but does give people a high. They were using them daily, um, which was making them ill. Uh, then they were going to their doctors who were then prescribing high dose antibiotics, which again is toxic to the body. So they didn't get any better. Um, and then the doctors wanted to try different things on them. And uh, they started issuing them with uh, AZT, the drug AZT, which is uh, actually a chemotherapy drug which had been sat on the shelves for a while as doctors often do so oh, we'll try this then um which killed everybody uh, as we found out by talking to doctors uh, some german doctors the strength that they were giving those initial people of azt everyone died you know even famous people like freddie mercury and rudolf muriel arthur ash tennis player so a lot of people died all of them that were on that dose but of course the authorities never admit to that um but that is the truth of it so they give them much lower doses now so it just takes longer to kill people basically um so that was a big eye-opener and i remember dawn and i saying to one another you know crikey if they were so wrong about this uh, what else are they wrong about 
and that was the start of it but we had no idea of course it was going to be a 10-year research project but we realized it was so important the more we dug into it and the more we realized that the medical establishment wasn't based on science at all it was based on dogma vested interests uh, uh, and uh, nothing to do with science so we thought right where do we start with this so we asked ourselves the question which is the title of the book well what really makes you ill if it isn't germs what really makes you ill so we went right back to the germ theory itself which uh, is probably about 150 years old and most people associate it with louis pasteur as the main uh, sort of advocate of it um and that's quite a story in itself as people are starting to find out now that uh, louis pasteur who was a chemist incidentally not a doctor um but also quite a fraudster and of uh, some of his after his death some of his papers and diaries came to light and people realized that the things he was saying were not backed up by any actual science uh, but that's a, a big story in itself so anyway we looked at uh, the germ theory and thought well okay how's this come around so first of all we looked at uh, bacterium uh, bacteria and to see what had gone off there basically the story was that at the time as i say about 150 years ago they only had optical microscopes so they could only see certain things in the blood and the only things they could see at that time were bacteria and what they could see when they examined blood wherever there was dead or dying tissue in the blood they'd see clusters of bacteria around that dead and dying tissue so that was where they made their first big mistake they assumed that the bacteria was the cause of the dead and dying tissue they didn't realize at that time that it was actually the cleanup agent uh, it's the body's cleanup agent where it digests that dead and dying tissue so that it can be expelled from the body so that was their first big mistake um, and then uh, in 1930s uh, the was the invention of the electron microscope where they could see even smaller particles in the blood and that's where we come into these things called viruses these particles i should just say that that is a corruption of the word because virus comes from the latin which just means poison or a noxious substance nothing to do with some particle in the body that's the original thing uh, so it got corrupted and they saw these other little bits and pieces in the blood and and then they started blaming them for all the diseases that they couldn't blame on bacteria so that was their second big mistake no proof for any of this so then it could never actually prove that bacteria caused any disease and they could never to this day prove that these particles uh, that they've called viruses they've never been able to prove that they cause disease either and around the same sort of time late 1800s uh, we there was the German uh, microbiologist called Robert Koch and probably people have heard talk of Cox postulates and he formed these little rules for the medical establishment to determine the cause of a disease he still believed that uh, germs caused illness even though no one had actually proved it they, they were all assumptions um, but he did actually come up with these Cox postulates these rules which are actually quite sensible which and the first one is the most sensible where he says if someone's got a disease the germ that's attributed to the cause of that dish, disease should always be found in the person that's got the disease and should never be found in a healthy person common sense you would think and yet they contradict, uh, contradict that all the time within the medical establishment 
whether it's bacteria or so-called viruses. And there's some glaring examples such as tuberculosis and diphtheria, you know, where you can have healthy people who've got the germ in them and you can have sick people who haven't got the germ in them. So, and th this is in the medical record, so it just shows what a load of nonsense it's always been. But we'll concentrate a bit more on uh, viruses because that's sort of the theme of the day really with this uh, coronavirus nonsense that's going on. It is a nonsense. There's no two ways about it and it's easily scientifically demonstrated that it's a nonsense. But what happened is you got this uh, new, uh, I don't want to call it a science because it isn't, but you got this new group of people which are now known as virologists whose sole reason is for uh, appointing various particles in the, found in the body to be the cause of different diseases. And we often, to, to try and make it easier for people to understand, uh, the common understanding of the body is that it's made up of lots of different cells. Not quite true, but we'll, we'll stick at that because people understand that. And what happens within the body? I mean, the body's got trillions and trillions of these cells in it, which die in large numbers every day. It's part of the natural process. And as those cells break up, the bacteria, and there's trillions of those in the human body, both in it and on it, they're part of the cleanup mechanism. Um, but what actually happens when a cell breaks up, if you imagine a, a small pane of glass that you drop on the floor and it breaks into, let's say, 100 pieces, uh, all different shapes and sizes, and that's the cell when it's broken up. And what happens is virologists came along and they saw these broken up cells, uh, but then started attributing to these broken up pieces uh, different uh, different diseases. They started giving different names and attribute different diseases to these particles. All again, without any scientific evidence. So one is you've got a real problem here, is everything that virologists do is based on what they're looking at in a Petri dish. So this is, imagine they've taken a sample from the human body of tissue and cells, and they put it in their petri dish so immediately if you think about it they've taken it away from its natural environment it's now no longer in a living organism so it's it's not the same as soon as you've got it in the petri dish it's not the same as what's happening in the human body so you've taken it away from the chemical system of the body but the body also has an electrical system so you've also taken it away from the electrical system of the body uh, so it's now there's no comparison to what the living human body is but that didn't seem to deter virologists from looking at it and then they start to stain it and fix it, slice it and dice it and stick it under a microscope, an electron microscope, which would kill anything anyway, uh, if it was alive. Uh, and we'll come back to that. Um, and then they start, as I say, to make these assumptions and presumptions about what it is and what it could do, again, without any proof and completely uh, missing the point that whatever they're looking at anyway, there's absolutely no resemblance whatsoever to what happens in a living human body. How could it? So the next stage is, and they forget to tell people this, is that these particles that they call viruses are scientifically, by definition, non-living. They've never been alive uh, for obvious reasons. All as they are are cellular debris or tissue debris. Um, so they're not alive. They're just broken bits and pieces like the pane of glass. And for something to be defined as alive, scientifically, it has to meet certain criteria. It has to be able to eat, excrete, and reproduce. And these 
particles that they're calling viruses can't do any of those things. So consequently, <laughs> scientifically, they are not alive. So you have to ask yourself, well, how could something that's not alive be responsible for causing all these diseases? You know, well, patently they can't be and they're not. And also they should, there are certain procedures that they should go through to be able to prove that one of these particles, I'll keep calling them that rather than virus, as people get hung up on the word, these particles, uh, there's certain procedures they should go through, which are in their rule book, if you like. So what they should do is they should isolate the particle. And we use the word in its proper definition, which is to isolate something is to completely separate it from all other things. Virologists have a different idea of when they say isolate. What they mean is, well, we've got this bit of a mixture with all sorts of bits of stuff in it. It could be monkey kidney, it could be uh, uh, cow serum, also, but they'll class that as an isolation, which is, of course, nonsense. So what they should have done, should do, and they could do it, but they never have, they should isolate this particle that they're going to blame as the cause of the disease, so that there is just the particle. Uh, they should then be able to fully categorize it, so it's full genetic makeup, and they should then be able to introduce that particle into a living human being, and it should initiate the disease, okay? And then they should be able to take a blood sample from that person with the disease and be able to see the particles have multiplied and then prove that uh, that's caused the disease. All fair enough, you would say, that's all part of Cox postulates. But they've never done it ever in the last 150 years. They have never done it. And that includes with this coronavirus. Um, even though they have, there are papers out, and we should just mention this because some papers appeared not so very long ago uh, in the scientific journal uh, Nature, which is supposed to be the most prestigious uh, journal in the world. And these papers were claiming that they had actually met Cox postulates, they had isolated the virus for, for COVID-19, and they had proved that it was the cause of the disease. So you think, oh, well, this is interesting, because that's what it said in the abstract on the scientific paper, which had been published. And now the abstract, for people that don't know, is just the first paragraph or two, uh, which makes a statement like that. But then the whole methodology is the rest of the paper, which is obviously quite tedious and very technical. But uh, we had to read those papers and other people like Dr. Andy Kaufman, who I'm sure many people have, he did a very good piece on that, where he went through those papers. Cutting a very long story short, when you go through the methodology, you realize that they haven't done anything of the sort. And more surprisingly, when you get to the end of the methodology, they actually admit that they haven't. They actually admit that they have not met postulates, they have not isolated the virus, and they have not proved that it causes COVID-19. So a complete contradiction to what they said in the abstract. Now, I mean, that's just, not only is it an out-and-out -out lie, it's an out-and-out -out fraud. These people should be in prison, and so should Nature magazine for doing such a thing. It's supposed to be a peer-reviewed scientific magazine. Well, there's nothing scientific about that. And uh, I'm glad to say that Andy Kaufman, who is, he is a doctor, and he went through it as well, and he's, he's put up a, a video about that as well. So for those who want to go to his site and have a look. So suffice it to say, if people are worried if they've heard that there's papers going around that they've done all these things and isolated the virus and proved it, complete nonsense. And I think it shows the desperation that the authorities are now prepared to go to, to lie blatantly to the public to try and uh, make out that uh, this virus is a real thing 
and that it's uh, Miss Cox postulates and, uh, and is as fearful and uh, deadly as they make out. Complete lie. Um, they've not done any of those things. And like all other viruses, not one of them has ever been proven to be the cause of any disease, whether it's HIV AIDS or chickenpox, measles, um, COVID-19. And uh, there's been, uh, it might just be worth mentioning for those that are, that are not sure or not heard about it, uh, uh, Dr. Stefan Manker, who some few years ago actually took, he's a German doctor and he was trained as a virologist, uh, although he doesn't like to be called a virologist anymore because he realizes it's a, well, it's a fictitious, non-scientific pastime, <laughs> really. Um, and, uh, but what he did, which is a, a landmark case, he took the medical establishment to court in Germany and uh, challenged them to prove that there was a virus that caused measles. And there was a couple of court cases, uh, but in the second one, uh, which was in the high court in Germany, uh, he won his case because the medical establishment could not prove that a virus caused measles, which was no surprise to him or us, because we know they can't. Uh, but they did their best uh, and uh, they failed to do it. They put forward six supposedly scientific papers um, and they were all shot down by the expert witnesses who could show that they didn't prove anything. And uh, one of them, which is now becoming more famous, which uh, is known as the Anderson Peebles uh, paper, which dates right back to 1954, which all subsequent virology is based on, uh, shows quite clearly, and they admitted themselves in that paper, um, that it proved nothing. Uh, not only did it not prove that the virus caused measles, it also, also showed that the methodology that virologists use is uh, flawed, severely flawed. And they say so in the paper that uh, I think they use the words, more research is required on this. <laughs> um, but of I mean, course, that's, that's standard for just about every journal paper that, you know, um, we, we require more research. I mean, part of that is obviously because they want to, to be able to get the uh, um, grant um, and funding for their continued career. So, you know, oh, we need to look into this a little bit more. You know, we're not quite sure what the implications are. So, um, you know, so that, that's a, a way of making sure they've got a continuing career. Um, but in the significance of, the, uh, of this statement in the Enders and Peebles paper is that it raised questions rather than making it uh, uh, a very clear observation. It's, it wasn't um, unequivocal that, uh, you know, that paper proved that measles is caused by a virus. But as David said, because that is the foundational paper on, um, th that's used for all viral research, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, um, <coughs> that uh, it, it's actually relevant for every other so-called um, virus disease or, or disease that's claimed to be caused by a virus which is why it's so important um, for the information we're sort of trying to get out to people, that it's not just this um, so-called, you know, SARS-CoV-2, because you could say, oh, well, you know, okay, well, maybe there was a problem with that, and then they could come up with some other new viral disease, you know, they kind of doing all these different things with Ebola and uh, Zika and all these, these other kind of strange names. Um, but it's to really uh, take away that um, fear of any viral disease so that they can never kind of say, oh, well, it, it wasn't that virus, or we found another one that's even more deadly. And this is to say, no, no, there is nothing behind all of this 
viral research. There is no science behind it all. It's not based on anything um, provable that these so-called particles cause anything. And it's all um, stop them being able to ever do this again, um, but also help people stop being scared of these so-called particles because there is nothing behind the claim that they cause any disease whatsoever. So obviously this, this led us into, as we looked at, <laughs> we looked at a, a, a large number of uh, illnesses, where we prefer to call them illnesses rather than disease. Again, because disease is a loaded word, people always think of some sort of infection or some contagion. And, and we looked at that and we talk about that a lot in the book because, and it may seem a very bold thing to say, but we know we can back this up. There is no such thing as an infectious disease. There is no such thing as a contagious disease because there is no pathogenic agent that can pass between people or animals uh, that causes you to be ill. Um, and we do talk in the book uh, as to what we call them our four factors. Uh, which we can talk about uh, in a little while, no doubt, as to why people do get ill. But rest assured, it is absolutely nothing to do with germs. We looked at all sorts of different diseases, both past and present. We're, we're sort of quite famous now, I think, for going back and looking at the Black Death even, as to what caused that. Um, you know, we looked at, in the UK, we looked at uh, mad cow disease, we looked at myxomatosis in rabbits, we looked at all sorts of things and all the common diseases. And in no cases, could we find scientific proof that a germ of one sort or another was the cause? But we could always find other reasons, very plausible reasons, very provable reasons um, that did cause it. So you were asking about, you know, um, uh, why it took us so long and, and did we ever get to a point where we thought, uh, oh, you know, we can't go any further. It, yeah. it was the latter. It was, no, we're finding out so much. We've got to put this information out. But at the same time, we had to go into a lot of detail because we knew it would be um, <laughs> challenged. Yeah, it would be controversial, but it, it would also be challenged. So we know we had to be as careful as we could, as thorough as we could, to make sure that it was as, um, as well, it was backed, everything we've got in the book is, is backed by evidence. But in fact, um, over the course of the, you know, well, it was more than 10 years, we've gathered so much um, material that uh, we could actually have written a book about each chapter. So we could have, you know, written a series. But it, we, we decided that, you know, no, that's, that's not going to be acceptable. We wanted to get all the information in one book. But we also had to do more than just kind of expose the germ theory and, um, certain other uh, you know other diseases we had to go behind the scenes and find out why it was like this what's going on and um, you know so there's a, a chapter on what we call vested interest mm -hmm. to show that there's uh, there is a, an agenda uh, I mean so many people say oh you know don't like that word but I mean agenda 21 is you know it, it's, it's there, there. it's, it's, called, it's called an agenda Yes, it's absolutely. And the 2030 agenda also called an agenda. So, you know, it, it's not a conspiracy theorist kind of word. It, it's a real word. It's the word that they use. I mean, yes, it means a plan, um, but it doesn't mean necessarily that that plan has to be put into place, except that people need the information so they can say, no, actually, we don't accept your plan. Um, we... So therefore, we, you know, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to kind of package as much information to give people a as comprehensive um, an idea of 
what's going on, not just um, about infectious diseases, even though obviously we do explain that. But we, we also wanted to be able to explain to people because we, we thought, well, this is going to be a natural thing. They wondered, well, wh why are doctors lying to us? You know, why is the medical establishment lying to us? And we said, well, don't think of it that way. Think of it that doctors are trained in a particular way. We talked to many doctors who've been honest about their education as doctors. And if you think about it, it's quite logical. You know, these guys, uh, they want to do a, a job and they want to help people and they go into their medical training and spend their five years, whatever it is. Um, and they're, they're given loads and loads of information. They don't actually get to do any research. So it's almost learning by road. You know, they're told, well, this bacterium causes that disease, that virus causes that disease, uh, and this is the treatment. And it's almost like that, but stacks and stacks of it. They don't get to ask the questions, well, how, how do you know that that does that? Or where's the research papers for this uh, virus causing that disease? Or how do you know that that medicine is, is effective? How does it work? They don't get to ask any of those questions. And we, they don't, we, and they don't ask. No, they don't. No, they don't because, because they, they, they never to, get through the exams. Yeah. If they did question these things, they have to answer according to the information they're given. So it's quite easy to see how you know the doctors come out the end of that mill on the conveyor belt, as it were, being indoctrinated, and that's the correct word. And they they will admit to this. The honest ones will. They're indoctrinated, you know, and of course they've got a big financial interest vested in it. You know, doctors will have admitted to us. You know, they've accrued quite large financial debts whilst they've been training. So they need to be able to get their job, you know, which is quite lucrative, they admit, you know, they get well paid. Um, and they need to be able to keep that job, not only to pay off these large debts that they've accrued, but obviously to give them their decent lifestyle. So it's the golden handcuffs, you know, they're, they're locked into it and they know very well, as some doctors have found to their cost, you speak out and you lose your job. I mean, it's interesting that both the and this happened to both uh, Dr. Andy Kaufman and Dr. Uh, Tom Cowan, who are quite sort of well-known, I think, on the circuit now. And that's the sort of thing that happened to them. They've given up their medical certificates, if you like, to practice. They're still doctors, but they can't. They're not part of the medical not, regime anymore. They're not licensed. They're not licensed anymore. Mm -hmm. They've given up their license because they were so hassled by the establishment. You know, and other doctors have had exactly the same. So you can see why they keep quiet. It's a great shame because now is not the time to keep quiet. You know, if all the doctors or large numbers of them got together and said, look, guys, this is a load of nonsense. Mm. You know, this is, there is no evidence for this. It would soon help overturn it. And we need to do that. We need to overturn it. But unfortunately, not enough doctors are doing that at the moment. Mm. And so we, ha we have to do it, um, which is what we're doing. And the silence is the you know complicit in the whole situation. I mean, there's people, um, be it the HSE in England, that as well. There's lots of nurses and assistants and doctors. A few now have, I won't say lots, but there are a few that have actually you know, so-called whistleblowers. They've come out and just said they just can't do this scam anymore. And they're willing to throw their license one side. I mean, these people are not getting any money for doing this. They might be getting a bad rap by the media. Um, I know family in certain cases have disowned certain people. I won't mention names. Um, because of the, they think they're mad because they're speaking out against the establishment because, you know, the parents and, and grandkids are uh, people down the line, should say, Grand, they're so indoctrinated. I mean, you talk about the indoctrination. I mean, even to take a, a step back from modern day where we are now, even if you're to go back, the vast majority of this goes back to John D. Rockefeller. I know you mentioned the Rockefellers quite a bit uh, in your book as well. And it, it goes really back to that 100 plus years ago. I mean, we don't have to go into a whole biography of John D. Rockefeller because if people don't know who he is by now, the notorious Rockefellers are 
infiltrating in what's going on. They're playing a huge hand in what's going on at the moment as well. I mean, not least to say, be it the you know the medical industry in in the states that he completely, literally, almost overnight that he overturned. They got to a stage there where where that unless you the hospital licenses and the you know doctor's license, unless you went through uh, John D. Rockefeller, you just you couldn't uh, you couldn't get above board actually to get through. So anybody outside of that arena, be it a naturopath or anything like that, you were just kind of cast one side. You're not you're not in my little bubble, and that's it. Because he could see the money. Uh, coming from the islands, you know, he could see the money and all the petrochemicals. You, you rightly saw talk about it's in so man, many of these uh, prescription drugs and drugs in general that the pharmaceutical industry are giving people. So I mean, for people to understand that, uh, you're you're going back a lot into that area alone, a hundred plus years ago, where that infiltrated the whole American system, which spread uh, globally. And um, to what we spoke before, and to what people are know, known now is like, oh, we know the naturopath, we know the actual acupuncturist, but as alternative. But they're not actually the, these are the people way before these people, but they got shoved out and they got censored and didn't want to be known in the area because, well, they were kind of enemy for want of a better word. So what uh, the establishment of the Rockefellers, what they created, and we can move on a step further into the, the likes of where we come to the present day with the WHO and be it the United Nations, you, you mentioned about the Agenda 2021 and Agenda 2030 all funded, created there, all by the Rockefellers or their, their name hanging over the door every time, there their blueprints and all this kind of foundation as well. So it's interesting that part alone as well. And what you mentioned on earlier was the, is not to have people scared because I mean, this whole thing is driven by fear. The four letter word is simply driven by fear has kept everybody away. Cause I mean, there's billions of us and so few of them. And if people could only wake up to their own humanity and stop enslaving themselves, Stop listening to the BBC and stop listening to the radios and picking up the daily daily papers because it's complete propaganda, as you know, rightfully so, owned by all these people in the background controlling the narrative. But you strip it apart upside down, inside out in your book that, that shows um, all this as well. So the, I know you touch a lot on the, the WHO as well. It's, it's just kind of giving pe people, because I always say to people is, I've been trying to explain to people what's going on as well at the moment. Um, and it's kind of like, jigsaw pieces on the floor or anything like you mentioned the broken pane at last it's just it's scattered everywhere but unless you're on the road for a long time and you do continuous amounts of research and i've been researching for years and years as well and and not to the extent of stuff you're studying in the medical end of things but and unless you actually can put the pieces together and people can actually see the actual picture then it becomes then it actually it resonates with, with the actual human being but other than that it looks like a random piece here and a random piece there and nothing seems to correlate to the actual bigger picture to give people that. So it's kind of like a, a dot connecting for want of a, a better terminology. And you, you're doing that. And in your book, you actually, what I like is, well, you try to, you don't try to use big jargon or huge words that people can't understand. You mm -hmm. actually break it down in, in simple terms. But I mean, going from the Rockefellers to obviously the WHO, which is centralized now, the tentacles go out across all countries. I mean, be it in England and uh, all over the world, you'll hear people saying their governments are trying to take the onus off themselves now. Because I see it when the masks came in from schools and all that kind of stuff, be it Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland or loads of places as well. People say, why are you doing that? Oh, well, we're guided by the WHO. We're being advised. So all of a sudden it takes the onus off um, horror and be it Boris Johnson in England. And it's taken the, the centralization back to the WHO that these tentacles are going across the world on. So could you go in a small bit on the uh, WHO itself? Because a lot of people that wouldn't be awake as such, I know the vast majority of the audience are, the people who aren't, they can't understand or grasp the, 
the collusion and the corruption. I've exposed them WHO, especially Ted Ross. I mean, his affiliations back in Ethiopia to the TPLF, that, that regime back there. It was, it was a murderous uh, kidnapping, raping, pillaging organization that he was highly involved in back there. I mean, so much so. I mean, he's allegedly covered up all these cholera outbreaks as well and any distant vices, but so much so that TPLF organization that he was involved in. Um, that's still on the American database today as a terrorist organization. It's, it's still there for people to, to see. And this is the guy that we have as the Know, the public leader of, of, of global health uh, worldwide. And not only did he, in shortly after 2017, did he come into his organization and try to put Robert Mugabe as a, a goodwill ambassador. So what I'm trying to get here is that these absolute criminals that I see in power of the research I've done, these are the people dictating globally, the people's health. And we can go back with the tentacles in the background, how it all comes about. But if you could go through a small bit, I mean, what you found in your research, because I know it, it, it comes up quite a bit, the WHO in your book, the collusion, the corruption, how, how it's kind of, I mean, so much stuff you found by, you know, you have so many statements on it, and then underneath you'll actually go through and say, ah, no, that's complete deceitfulness again on the human population. Is there something you can kind of give the audience as well on that as well, to kind of give people a, a, a picture of the who that they're not seeing on their day-to-day basis? Um, well, the... Uh, well, there's so much where to unpick there. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's a big one. Yeah, I mean, I they're, <laughs> yeah they, they're, you know, part of the, the UN and it was sort of uh, set up uh, 1948, something like that, you know, to look after global health. But again, it, uh, like you say, it's, it's just uh, an organisation to centralise, um, but it's regarded as the health, again, authority. Um, and I, I suspect it's sort of, changed quite a lot uh, since 1948. I mean, one of the things we, we don't do is to go into the kind of details of the leaders of the WHO. Mm. So we haven't got that kind of background information because mm. we were trying to fit it into one book. Yeah. But one of the things that we do um, as much as possible is to highlight the contradictions that we found um, where organizations, so-called authorities, uh, put out a particular statement about something and um, in another document you can find some information that contradicts it. So we were try uh, or there's sort of something else that uh, highlights an, an anomaly. So we try to expose those as much as possible um, but quite often with the different diseases we look at we start with if you like the kind of official definition what the WHO says about it and then we go through um, as you say we say well you know, we use the phrase, nothing could be further from the truth a few times. Um, not everyone likes that, but that's what we found that, you know, just because they, the WHO says it doesn't mean it's true. So that we then look at um, the information that's behind it and show that um, their, their so-called information cannot be relied upon. Um, and it's often it's, contradictory. Uh, yes. know, they contradict themselves. Yes, yes, so as much it, as possible. But as you say, you know, it's run by vested interests. There are definite connections to the pharmaceutical industry, and definitely within the uh, Agenda 2030, you know, the uh, um, Sustainable Development Goals. One of them, uh, number three, is to do with health. And of course, they're trying to promote the medicines and vaccines for all. And that, of course, it ties very much into these um, uh, the, the pharmaceutical industry, the vaccine industry, the Gavi, the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates um, Foundation. So it, it's supporting all these organisations that are trying to um, control people and make them think they've got to have medicines and vaccines and they 
can't be responsible for their own health. So it's definitely connect interconnected. Uh, um, but I mean, we don't go into, as I say, we don't go into huge detail about all of those connections because, you know, we were trying to, trying to keep it to a manageable book, but we include that kind of information because you wanted people to have the, the bigger picture, you know, to have a better idea of what's, why things are the way they are, but yeah. also what they can do about it. Yeah, you've, uh, as I'm sure you know, when you look at the key players in the World Health Organization, um, you can then start to see, I mean, you, you, names like Bill Gates comes up, I mean, hugely huge financial interests in there and Gavi. Uh, and when you start to see the, the sort of people who are players, if you like, and are connected with such an organization, you realize that uh, there's lots of rats <laughs> and uh, people who we know are not to be trusted, you know, when you look at their own personal agendas and what they're doing now in particular. and they've been trying and successfully to centralize control of all things whether it's centralizing the banking centralizing political control centralizing the health control and of course uh, and military control of course so you've got sort of organizations like nato with military control you've got organization who which is centralizing health control over the entire world you know and these people are unelected you know they're not elected by the public so they're just self-appointed or in the old boys club uh with vested interests you know and that's how bill gates is involved in it so they're they're working to agendas that suit themselves not only for financial reasons but also for political control and so although when you look at some of these agendas that they put out on the face of it they look like some people might think oh well that, that sounds like a good idea you know uh, medicine for all well, what can be wrong with that? Well, <laughs> giving out vaccines you know, in Africa well, for free. Yes. Yeah. Oh, isn't that? Oh, you can't. You can't yeah. deny these poor people in Africa the vaccines you know, you know, to help them. But once you know what these medicines are, and it's and once you realise that it's only a small step from making them available to all for making them compulsory to all, and we know that's the agenda that they want to go down. And, and this is not conspiracy theory. This is because they've done it before in places. Um, and that's really what they want to do. And with the clampdowns that they're making at the moment, I mean, we're already seeing it uh, transpiring where, you know, they're wanting to lock, they're locking people down in their homes, you know, um, they're stopping travel, uh, you know. So at the moment, you've got to wear masks if you're allowed to travel at all to in certain countries or, You've got to, as people are finding when they're coming into the UK, certainly, um, you've got to self-isolate for two weeks in a hotel at your own expense. And there's figures coming out, you know, and that's going to cost you 1700 1800 pounds before you can even get to do whatever it was you're going to do. So that's just to start with. Now, it's only going to be the next step, which will be you can't travel anyway unless you've had a vaccine, one of these vaccinations or jabs as they've started calling them now because they know technically they can't call them a vaccination so they're having to yeah. modify their terminology uh, and this is the sort of control they're putting all the little businesses out of business you know so pubs and restaurants and clubs uh, and shops of all sorts apart from the big supermarkets so you know you can see where they're going with this you know all the little businesses have gone out of business so the only places you can go then are the big corporation and 
supermarkets, who will then be able to impose even stricter regulations on you buying your food, which won't only be, well, now you've got to wear a mask. It will be, have you had a vaccination before you can come into my shop to buy your food? Uh, that's why it's got to be stopped. That's why it's got to be stopped, you know, before you can travel anywhere, even into the next county. I mean, they've already, as you know, in the UK, you know, trying to restrict people from traveling from one county into another. You know, this is unheard of. This has never happened before. And people are letting them get away with it. And it's all based on this huge lie. And what we feel is so important about the health issue and why we're doing as much as we can to expose it is because it's all based on this one lie. And if people could see this lie that there's been perpetrated by the World Health Authority, uh, all the world governments, the medical assist, uh, establishment generally, the pharmaceutical and the media, of course, without the media, which is a key player. I mean, no one needed to even know what was going on without the compliance of the media. Now, again, we've got people in the media, these talking heads who come on the BBC and say, oh, yes, you know, another 10,000 people have died in our lunchtime yesterday or some such nonsense. Um, they don't know. They're just reading the script. You know, it's not that they're, for the most part, evil people who are trying to deceive people or cause people ill. They just do. They're just doing the job. They're just doing what they're told. It's, it, it's unfortunate they're, in some cases, cowardly. In other cases, that they're just empty-headed because they never bother to actually do any research, um, and they're just enjoying a nice big paycheck at the end of the month. And uh, thank you very much. And I'll carry on doing my job, not realizing that they're really selling the whole of humanity down the river, and uh, which is dreadful. The people that are doing the vaccinations, you know, whether whether they bought the army in or they're, you know, employing some secretary in the doctor's surgery to stick a needle in somebody's arm, don't realize not only the damage that they're doing to people on this really untested concoction that's in these things. And I'm, I'll call it that because it's, it's never, even by their own admission, these uh, jabs have never been tested properly. You know, I mean, they've produced this in supposedly less than a year, uh, something that would only take five, 10 years or more. And if you look on the FDA's website in America, you know, as far as they're concerned, this, this is a two-year experiment. This is a two-year test. So they're using people as guinea pigs, you know. And the people who are doing the vaccinating um, should be aware that they are opening themselves up to criminal prosecution. Because before you do something like they're doing in this experiment, they should make people fully aware of the possible dangers uh, from the vaccination that they're going to give them. Informed consent. Yes, it's called informed consent. And it's and, absent, completely and, and utterly absent. And not to do so is a criminal offence, um, as was demonstrated at the Nuremberg trials, you know. And, and there, there are laws in place, international laws, all of which are being ignored. So I ask people, if you're one of those people who's been asked to give vaccinations, is well, I would advise you not to do it, but realise that you're putting yourself into uh a legal trap you are opening yourself up okay maybe in the future but not far in the future you're opening yourself up to legal prosecution and being sued and it's you the foot soldiers that are going to get it it's not these people who are sat behind the scenes you know the rockefellers the uh, rothschilds the warburgs and others gates, the yeah. gates it's, it's not them who are going to be in the firing line it's going to be you who are sticking the needle in people 
it's going to be you who's dispensing uh, the so-called medical uh, assistance, uh, which is going to be damaging people. It already is. And and already is, you know. I mean, I've, I had a, a relative who, you know, you, you can talk to you blue in the face and people won't listen. And I had a relative only a few days ago who decided she was going to go for a vaccination anyway, uh, just to be sure. And uh, she said that uh, on the day of the vaccination, she was woke up at uh, midnight with a raging temperature, burning up, covered in sweat, uh, wet through, and that lasted for five hours before the temperature started to go down. Now, was that coincidence? I don't think so. Uh, or what other damage has it done to her that could be more permanent than just a raging temperature for five hours? Well, as I say, that's one of the more mild you know, cases of but people, uh, you know, damage. There's reports of people yeah. having died from these yeah. things. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, this is, this is no... It's, no, it's, no, it's not. It's it's um it's really manipulating your DNA because rightly so. It's not even you can't even call it a vaccine because it's not actually a vaccine itself. Mm. I mean, I mean, and this thing is irreversible. That's the thing. Like you can't compare it to any other so-called vaccination in the past. This is completely yeah. irreversible. Once it's in, it's in. I mean, and rightly so. The amount I've covered lots of people in the last couple of podcasts with the amount of deaths, be it you know doctors, medical professionals, as well have actually all died from this. The side effects, although I like to prefer to call them direct effects instead of side effects, yes. that's that's what they we are. Um, and it's it's tremendous. I mean, the amount of videos I'm seeing with people with Bell's palsy, they're in the bed for, rattling and shaking for six hours straight. Their body is out of control, and they can. These are people only young people and um, perfectly healthy apparently beforehand, and now all of a sudden this. But of course, you know, if you only die within a few hours or a few days. The media is out straight away. Oh, but it's nothing got to do with the vaccine, of course. Nothing got to do with that. That was just, you know, it seemed they had underlying comorbidities and did they come into that kind of a area then, of course, when, the, when, when it's that um, situation. But it's interesting, the vaccine is, is absolutely deadly. And I know the you go into, you know, vaccinations for all and chapters and you go with the ingredients of vaccines and, and so on and, like, and things of like that as well in it. Um, but the vaccine itself, what have you, because I know this book came out as this so-called hoax was, was actually... Take, getting fire or getting wind um could you speak a small bit on the the vaccine ingredients itself um and just and a bit on vaccines as a whole yeah well as you say this particular one is is very different from others and so the ingredients are very different uh, one of the things that are particularly um noticeable is that they don't have what they call adjuvants in this in this jab well this jab yeah um because in in practically every other vaccine they've got uh, um substances such as uh, aluminium mercury and formaldehyde uh, although they say mercury is not in most of them but uh, you know they they it have is. these kind of fairly normal uh, it's normal to have these substances and they're you know formaldehyde and aluminium are both neurotoxic mm. uh, but these new jabs uh, i've only seen the ingredients for i think a couple of them um, but they don't have those ingredients and they have uh, but they but they also have but they do have uh, new uh, toxic substances um, um, I can't remember exactly which ones. Is it uh, PEG? And um, think, no, that's that's not that's the guy. That's the poly- red, no, no, yeah. no. It's phenol red, but, but it's phenol no, it's, red, it's not. It's uh, po- is it polyethylene glycol? It's something like that, I think. Which it's, is which is not, pe- which is pe- no, no. Which, is, which is toxic <laughs> and and yes, I mean they say that it's uh, it can cause anaphylaxia, but I mean that's just a a severe reaction to something that's toxic in the body but it, it's well you've only uh, got to look on the fda's website we looked at what they uh, have put on their website unless they've taken it down now 
um, what was what was in the Pfizer version, because obviously we've got several versions of this uh, jab now out there. Uh, and if you look on the web their website, um, there's a, on the as you say effects, not side effects. These are effects, and they list there's about a dozen, uh, none of which are pleasant. But there's one of them, and this is listed in their effects, is death. Okay. Now you think, well, if one, even in their terms, if one of the side effects of this vaccination is death, you don't need to know anymore, do you? Really, you just think, well, no, I don't think I'll bother with that one. Thank you very much. No, that's <laughs> too big, too big a risk. That's too big yeah. a risk. But, but, but they'll say, well, well, we did tell you. Oh well, yeah, that's not much consolation, is it? You know, I've just had my auntie Mabel uh, injected and she's dead. You know, well, I say, well, we did warn you that that was a possible side effect. Exactly. Yes, but the chances are that she didn't read that paper. No, the other contradiction, of course, is uh, as you say, you know, that uh, if somebody has a um, adverse event or dies, you know, a few days, few hours, whatever, after the uh, so-called jab, they say, oh, well, it's nothing to do with that. Mm. Um, uh, as you say, it was some other comorbidity. Um, but it's interesting that, of course, all the comorbidities that were happening in the early days, you say, oh, well, no, no, it's all it's all COVID. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a contradiction. I mean, they say they, um, the, the information is put out according to whatever they want the, the, you know, they want their agenda, they want people to believe. Um, and so few people are really seeing, I mean, more are, you know, it's an increasing number, Numbers, but so few people are really seeing those glaring contradictions. They hang on a minute, you, you can't have it both ways. It's either one or the other. But these are the kinds of things that we've tried to bring out in the book and, and really keep showing to people that, you know, they're, uh, and also the fact that they're changing the, the sort of the story more or less, uh, you know, not every day necessarily, but every now and then, you know, first of all, it's sort of, you know, the information's going out in one particular way, and then suddenly they'll say something very different. And I, I think that's part of that is deliberate confusion, because then people don't understand what's happening. And, and so they just keep trusting because, well, they keep changing, oh, well, it must be changing. So because they don't know where to look, a lot of people are now realising that there's something going on and they're not happy with what's happening but again they're not really sure where to look to get the information to find out what it is that's going on and so they'll carry on putting a mask on just in case to be on the safe and, side and because they look, don't know sorry no so okay. even if you even if you look at a uh, Moderna's own website, I mean, they talk about it as, um, you know, a software system is what they actually talk about on their website. And they talk about it being a, they don't necessarily use the word vaccination. They talk about it being a gene therapy. And I think it's because in areas, if you start calling it under, I know the 1986 act in America and that when, um, when that committed children's vaccine act and all that, if you start altering, because they're completely covered, as we know, all the companies are covered, that they've no liability. They've actually said in, in lots of cases, even, even they, they've actually said that people who administer them, they said, we're trying to cover all them for it as well, if we can. So you really are on your own. And people don't realize you really are on your own. That no matter if you fall down dead two minutes later, or you have serious effects, be it 12 months down the road, it's kind of like, we've told you, but we haven't. The information is there, but they won't come out publicly and say, look, these are the pros, these are the cons of the whole situation. I mean, you know, and Bill Gates himself, he's been said many, many times that uh, health, he leaves only comes in, good health only comes in the form of a syringe. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's horrendous what goes on well, now. Well, when we, when we investigated uh, vaccinations generally, which we talk a lot about in the book, uh, 
that the only thing really people need to know is that there is no scientific evidence that any vaccine has ever been proved to be safe and effective. Never, ever. There's all sorts of claims made by the medical establishment and the media, media that this is the case, but when you look at the science, when you look at what actually happened over the years, and we went right back from when vaccinations were first brought in and started to treat things like smallpox, and those diseases were in decline way before vaccinations uh, started, you know. Uh, and so in short, all those people need to remember is that there is no scientific evidence to show that vaccines have ever been proved to be safe and effective and that the evidence is there. So you have to ask yourself, why should this one be any different? None of the others have been, you know. Of course. There's, yeah. lots, there's lots of evidence to show how much harm these vaccinations mm -hmm. cause. Um, so why should this one be any different? Well, it won't be any different, but it could be a lot more horrendous as to what the long-term effects are. But even the these vaccine manufacturers with this latest vaccine, they admit, if you look at their paper, what paperwork, they admit that they don't know. They don't, excuse me, they don't know what the long-term effects of these vaccinations are likely to be. And how now could that, they, by definition, that, have started them in less than a year they rolled it yeah. out? So how could they, by definition, know the long term? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, which ought yeah. to be worrying to people. Yeah. You know, if the manufacturers don't know what actually might happen two months, six months, two years down the line with what they've just injected into you, that ought to be in itself be worrying enough to say, well, I'm not going to have it until you're actually sure. You know, even those people who believe in vaccinations ought to really. Exactly. And I mean, fact, they... they they even admit that they can't guarantee that it will give you immunity against COVID. You know, oh. you think, well, what's the, what's the point of having it then? I mean, no, you've uh, still got to wear a mask and still got to social distance. You go, of course. really? Yeah. Why? I mean, why? You know. they, they've said many, in many articles I've seen, they said at best it can lessen the symptoms. So it doesn't stop hospitalization. It doesn't stop deaths. It doesn't stop you getting the COVID-19. And it doesn't stop you from actually transmitting it. Uh, you know, so-called COVID. So actually, what does it do? And like you rightfully say, you still have to keep the social distance, well, unsocial distance, I would call it, but you're, the yes, mask, yes. you have to wear You have to wear everything, all the other, it's just this and all the other stuff as well that's moving forward to what it is. But talking, uh, we're going back a small bit with the, with the so-called particle, if you want to call it that. When the terminology, I just, it's, to me, it's so laughable, but so many people are just indoctrinated, like zombies going around the place. When, when people talk, and you would have done a lot in this research, asymptomatic i mean oh yeah i mean yeah. It's, just, it's incredible uh, the scam couldn't go with the likes of without the pcr test it doesn't test for what it's supposed to test for i mean that test was fantastic um test to be picked out to, to continue the scam of what it was because yeah. the asymptomatic and um, because everybody has so coronavirus inside them you're going to find some bit of genetic material somewhere along the lines but on the top of that then because of the media i mean the media are equally as bad as the government but i would put the media just above the government as in because they've they've literally enabled all of this they could they could yes. stop stop or start a war in the morning they could have called the whole thing out if they really wanted it months and months ago but they choose not to so yeah. they have serious serious um questions um to be, to be answered is, is the media themselves for the crimes against humanity is what they have portrayed um on, yeah. on a mass yeah. mass global scale is what it is um it's but Talk to us a small bit about the, the asymptomatic for the, people who are, who are yeah. confused from all the misinformation and disinformation going all around the place. Explain the, right. the asymptomatic situation. Right. And, the, yeah. it, no, I was just going to say um, very simply, asymptomatic means that you haven't got any symptoms. And quite uh, the, the importance of that is that all so-called diseases 
are defined by definition uh, by uh, reference to their symptoms so if you haven't got symptoms you haven't got a disease now if you haven't got a disease then going back to cox postulates you can't possibly have any kind of infectious agent in your body so you cannot be uh, infected without having a disease if that so-called agent is supposed to be the cause so if you don't have symptoms you don't have a disease you cannot be infected so therefore the real meaning of the word asymptomatic and somebody put it quite succinctly is you're healthy you don't have symptoms so now they the the idea with this sort of asymptomatic um, you know that they can carry uh, they can be a carrier again is rubbish but the, um, this is not the first time they've tried to use this phrase asymptomatic carriers and asymptomatic infection. They've been using it for uh, some years uh, with reference to TB because um, it's, it's supposed to be something that can lay dormant in the body and uh, they say, oh, it can then be activated. And again, this is another one of those situations where you say, well, uh, we ask the question, well, what can activate it? no answer there's absolutely no information about what can activate a latent infection so this is just again um because of a, a test result that can so-called um, you know detect i mean they're not detecting the actual pathogenic agent all they're ever doing is is testing for uh what they call antibodies because they're never um testing for the actual agent they're never looking for that but they're the tests only ever for um, so-called antibodies, which are proteins, or again with the PCR, it's just genetic material. And there's no evidence that genetic material is necessarily relevant to the agent they think claims it. So asymptomatic, again, is something that they've used for TB, and they're obviously rolling it out again now. But it's just another aspect of the whole fear process to say, well, just because you haven't got symptoms doesn't mean you're not infected it's a load of nonsense and I mean, it's certainly good, untrue but it's a just good case, scare people. a good case that i often ask people to look at because it's in the history books and this goes back to 1907 uh with a case of what was called typhoid mary okay and it's an interesting thing to look at it for those that don't know about it and this shows how stupid the medical establishment was then back in 1907 and they're doing exactly the same things now um, um briefly this was at a time in america when uh, typhoid was fairly rampant around and uh, people were going down with it we won't go into the details of that but there was an unfortunate housekeeper uh, who is known as mary that's all we know at this stage who was helping out with people who were going down with typhoid but never got it herself and this came to the notice of the authorities and they thought well how can this be you know why, why is she not getting it and this was what you might call the first incidence of where they decided of uh, this asymptomatic, you know, well, she's not got any symptoms, but she must be carrying it. So they actually locked her up. You know, she was incarcerated in a uh, sort of a, an isolation unit, <laughs> prison really, but it was a, like a hospital thing. And they kept her in there, even though she'd got no symptoms. And they kept her in there for the rest of her life, 30 years. So I think she, and she died in there. I think it was in the, uh, 1940s so it was yeah, just, just, just within living memory um so even sort of relatively modern day uh medical system knew about this and they still kept her in there she got no symptoms she was a perfectly healthy woman mm. who they just incarcerated her uh, because they thought she could carry something even though she wasn't ill 
Uh, we've got exactly the same thing today, haven't we? So they've learned nothing over the last, God knows how many decades. They're locking people up in their own houses now, you know, even though you've got no symptoms, you've got to stay in your house in case you can spread something that you haven't got and that they've never proved is infectious anyway. Yeah. So it's like Boris said, you have to act like you have the virus. Yeah. So this is well, why that's we, complete nonsense. I mean, this, even is, why in the past, go, this even is why we go back to Voltaire's quote, you know, which says doctors and men who prescribe medicine of which they know little to treat diseases of which they know less in human beings in whom they know nothing. And that was Voltaire in the 1700s. And he was right then. And it's exactly the same today. And the, the typhoid Mary, there's a case in it. And the locking us up in our own houses uh, when we're perfectly healthy, it, they have learned nothing. So as, as regards an establishment, so, and they've got no proof for anything they're doing, whether it's social distancing, mask wearing, or even the fact that there is a, a, a pathogenic viral agent at play. There is no scientific proof. So you always have to come back as to, well, what is the agenda? And of course there is an agenda and it's nothing to do with anything scientific. It's to do with control. It's yeah. to do with uh, collapsing the world economy. We may as well talk about this a, a little bit. It's to do with collapsing the world economy uh, so that it all falls into the hands of this small, relatively small cabal of extremely wealthy and powerful people. And, you know, yes, the Rockefellers are in there, the Rothschilds are in there, the Warburgs are in there, and others. We don't know all of them. You know, but the Rothschilds certainly own the international banking system. Pretty much they control it all. And as uh, Nathaniel Rothschild said in the 1800s, you know, it doesn't matter who's in charge of a country. Whoever's in charge of the money is in charge of the country. And he said, and I'm in charge of the money. And, and they've made sure that they've done that uh, around the world. And so they can hold all the countries to ransom. So once you collapse the economies of the country, you can do what you like with them. And that's exactly what they're doing. Um, and people need to realize that, that that's the case. Yeah. So that's yes, that's the agenda. It's about world control without having to have a world war. And it's about controlling all the industries. Uh, but most of all, it's about controlling all the people because that's the one thing that they've always been afraid of. Because as people have often pointed out, there's a lot more of us than there is of them. Mm. But people need to wake up. You know, it's no good them carrying on being sheep because as we know, sheep are very easy to herd. And that's exactly what's happening. You know, people are being herded down to their local vaccination station. Uh, they're being herded into wearing masks and social distancing. They're acting like sheep. And if people are offended by that, then I hope it might wake them up because that's the truth of it. You know, they need to ask themselves, why am I doing this? You know, where is the evidence for me wearing these masks, not going to see my family? You know, where is the evidence? Well, there is none. So they need to stop doing it. Um, so and, and, and as soon as possible, because, you know, the, it, we haven't got a, a lot of time, um, you know, we don't know what the time scale is, but, it, you know, the propaganda is being ramped up and, uh, you know, the vaccination rollout, rollouts being ramped up. Uh, I mean, as people are more and more, more and more people are being harmed and, and even dying as a cause of this. I mean, it's a dreadful way for people to realise the problem, but I don't know what else it takes. But, we, you know, more people do have to realise there is a problem and they have to have the courage to actually stand up because now is the time that they've got to do it. And that's why it's so important to get this information that there is nothing to be, there is no 
nothing going round that, that can be spread and therefore they need to say okay well i'm going to stop um taking these measures or accepting these measures and to say no um we need the evidence before i'll put on a mask i'll social distance or anything else there are some movements of, um you know people to reopen their businesses i mean there's a uh, a movement in, in you know in the uk certain places are, are you know being a little more successful and certain businesses but they are staying open they are uh, standing up uh, under um you know the common laws to when they're visited by police saying you know your business should be closed they're able to stand up so there's there's more of this information coming out i mean it's not obviously out in the mainstream media but people are taking action but it needs to really spread like wildfire wildfire now because it's it's time for this to time for people to push back and, and for this to stop before it does get much further i realize that um, we've probably gone on longer than we intended and if time's against us it's only fair to people for us to just run through the causes that we found for what really makes what, you ill yeah <laughs> yeah no, no, please do because i know actually before that, i had a question which might um be alarming to certain people because i know you mentioned your book and i believe it's um i can't remember what page it's on but i believe it's you're talking from an article or a reference and what it was actually was where you had so many sick people i believe it was 10 and they sneezed um in, into another person's face and they all there was zero evidence could you actually elaborate and speak about that that part i'm actually talking yeah. about because everybody had this just generalized conception that oh you're sick you're cold you sneeze and me oh I've, I've got your germs i've got something now that means i'm going to pick up your cold can we yeah, go into that a small yeah. bit so divulge because yeah, that resonate with everybody yeah yeah, yeah that, that was the spanish the 1918 yeah. flu so-called and this was the this was the medical establishment in america you know since during the 1918 spanish so-called spanish flu which uh, we do talk about in the book you know yeah. again infectious agents involved uh, but the medical establishment, just briefly, did try to prove that uh, it was an infectious, uh, there was an infectious agent, and uh, they did that with uh, groups of people. I think I think most of them were prisoners. <laughs> so, uh, but they had uh, groups of uh, supposedly infected people who were showing all the symptoms of the flu, and group of groups of people who uh, were healthy, were perfectly healthy, and they literally did that. They had them. Uh, sit opposite one another and uh, sneeze and cough directly into the faces of the healthy people. They actually took extracts from uh, of, uh, snot, for, for a better word, sort of uh, from their nasal passages and throat swabs and put them into the nasal passages and throats of the uh, healthy people. They did all these things and they did it dozens and dozens of times and not once were they able to infect a healthy person. So that just showed that even if they looked at that one disease, the Spanish flu, uh, they, they proved themselves, and this was the medical establishment, they mm. proved themselves that it was not an infectious whatever they thought it was. Mm. And we do, we do look at that and uh, show that there's lots of other elements as to why people were getting ill and dying, and none of them were anything to do with germs, mm. uh, in the same way as we looked at lots of other diseases. So yes, this whole infectious, contagious, is a, is a myth uh, you know it has never been proved even though they've tr tried to prove it many times and what people see um when groups of people become ill there are always other reasons um you know whether it's measles i mean that's a favorite one where they have the children go to uh, a, a child's party so they can all get measles because they believe it's better that they all get it while they're young and then it'll be better when they and some some get it 
Uh, and so people go, well, yeah, it's obviously infectious, you know, because uh, little Johnny's now got measles, you know, he didn't have it when he went. They never stop to think, first of all, that it's never been proved that a virus causes measles or any germ causes measles. In fact, it's been totally disproved in the courts in Germany. Uh, but they never, they tend to ignore that. And they never stop to think, what are the reasons then could it be that a, a group of children become ill, even though, even though it's never all of them? They never stop to think that, uh, well, let's look at some logical things. Let's look at, um, as we know, all children, almost from the day they're born, start to be vaccinated, uh, particularly in, in America, there are horrendous amount of vaccinations. So it's hardly surprising that that same age group of children will start to detox because the body's natural uh, action is when it's had poisons put into it, is to get rid of them. Why not do it straight away? In fact, it very rarely does it straight away. Um, but they'll all start to detox around the same time. They've had the toxins put into them around the same time. So they'll start to detox it around the same time. And when the body's detoxing, it can come out as what people might think as colds and flu symptoms. You know, It can come out through the skin because the skin is the body's largest organ and is a favorite way for it to get uh, toxins out. So they can come out as rashes and blisters. Uh, and then the medical establishment put different names on it, you know, the blisters appear in a certain area, it'll be chicken pox or, or uh, measles. <clears throat> uh, if it comes out in the genital area, then it's obviously an a sexually transmitted disease. Um, they're not, there is no such thing. It's the body puts, uh, gets rid of stuff in the most appropriate way. And people should realize that and not to try and suppress it. It's a natural way. Uh, when you exhibit in the detox symptoms of uh, a heavy cold, it's when the body's not been able to get rid of the toxins in the normal way, which is through uh, sort of excrement and urination and sweating, which are the normal ways, vomiting even, um, then uh, it, it employs the uh, mucous membranes to try and absorb the toxins and get them out through sneezing, coughing, and all of the other disgusting things that you end up doing. But this is just natural processes of the, of the body doing what it does best and don't suppress it you know otherwise you're stopping the toxins coming out and they'll be there for another day and they're gonna they've got to come out otherwise you, you're going to make yourself even more ill so they detox mechanisms and we, we explain all this in the book um to to show people how the body works so if that sort of Help. Yeah, it does. So what you're saying kind of in a nutshell then is that little John Ferrari would say it goes to his measles part. I've heard that from loads of people as well. I sent him off with 10 other kids hoping he'd get it out of the system, done and dusted. In in, in nutshell, he was going to get it regardless if, if he went to that party or, or didn't go to that party. That was... Yeah. If, yeah. If, if, if his body had got to detox, Possibly. then fine. But the other things that people forget that when kids go to parties, of course, mm. Uh, what do kids do at parties? They have lots of jellies and uh, sweets and cakes and uh, treats. Picking them up off the floor and everything and eating them. And, yeah. Well, also, yeah. <laughs> and, and all of that stuff is really toxic. So again, the body's going to go through an action of get the, get the hell out of me, you know. So the kids come out and it may come out through the skin. They, they may be sick. <laughs> it's quite often happens. They may get diarrhea or all of those things. Uh, so, but it's nothing to do with an infection. It's just to do with the body trying to get rid of what it recognizes as toxic material, which all of those things, sugar is one of the most toxic things. So it has been referred to as the sweetest poison of all. Uh, you know, it, it's just not refined sugar, is it? Um, uh, it? It's not a good thing. And the body wants it out, you know, it wants to get rid of it. 
So all of these things can then be labelled, as the medical establishment does, as childhood illnesses. But they're not. It's the children who are being poisoned one way or another, um, either through the vaccination or after them. And they get lots of them, uh, unless they've got wise parents who go, not for my child, thank you very much. Uh, which more and more parents are doing, of course. So what does the government do? Well, let's mandate it. Let's make it illegal for parents to not have their children vaccinated. Or what they tend to do in the UK is they do it through the back door because they know it's a bit of a sensitive thing to mandate it. So we just uh, we let schools decide and then schools say, well, your children can't come here unless they've been vaccinated. So they do it through the back door, uh, which is a typical British way of doing things. Um, and that should be a warning bell to people. You know, if something was so good, vaccinations were so good, then why, why would you have to make it? legal that you have to have them surely people should be able to decide for and if the people who are making these in the pharmaceutical industry if they're so sure of this magic you know silver bullet why won't they stand over it why won't they stand over this thing they're so assertive they're so safe and effective and it's going to help millions of people billions of people globally not one of them uh will, will put their hand to it they'll take the money all right and like mm. we've rightly said in the conversation if anybody dies or has any, any direct effects well nothing got to do with me that's that's it is what it is but um and that's been going on for decades and decades. So it's, you know, if it really was a so-called pandemic and if we actually, what's going on in the television um, and the government compared to what's actually going around your own circumstance, your own being, it's complete. They're two different realities. Mm. I mean, you know, everybody knows somebody with cancer. Yeah, we, we all know somebody that way. Like, but we can always have that conversation. But I don't know, nobody knows any about COVID-19. Only the odd person says, oh, well, my uncle, he went in and he they said he died of COVID-19. But then we go down the whole route of, did he really die? How do you know? Because, like you said, the doctors are script readers. There's, there's no proper research. It's just gone into it. So, I suppose for the odd person that's listening in and they're kind of taking this in today, maybe for the first time, and they're kind of saying, So, everything I've been told for the last year is a big lie. How would you, without a big conversation, but how would you, in, kind of in a nutshell, describe? You kind of have, we've already described with the viruses and all that as well, and the deceitfulness. How would you describe to somebody that said COVID 19 is not a real thing? Like, obviously, do not be worried. Don't be fearful of it. It's not there. I'm on your side of things 100%. I know that. But for somebody that's <laughs> on the other side, how do you, in a nutshell, I guess, how do you explain that to somebody that is? Well, well the, the fact is, uh, for anything, that when someone makes a claim about anything, you know, puts a theory forward, uh, the onus is on them to prove what they say. You know, it's not for us to disprove it. It's for them to prove what they say. Mm. And what we've got is the medical establishment, stroke government, stroke media, all saying there is a deadly virus going around that's killing tens of thousands of people. I'll say, okay, well, if that's the truth, let's have your evidence. Where's your evidence for that? Because that's quite, a, quite an accusation. And as you probably know, many people have written to their governments and medical establishments all around the world mm. and asked under the Freedom of Information Act, they've asked for that information. And we've got copies of these papers that have come back from the governments where the government departments have said, we don't have that information. They've actually admitted they don't have the information. So that begs the question, well, if you haven't got any proof that there is a deadly virus going around, why are you doing what you're doing? So there has to be some other reason. And so we, we ask people just use a little bit of logic, a little bit of critical thought. If the governments openly admit that they can't prove what they're saying, then what they're saying isn't true. <laughs> Surely yeah. that's just logic. Yeah. Um, and, and that is the case. And it's always been the case. I totally agree. I mean, I've seen some of the Freedom of Information acts myself, especially the one in Ireland there just at Christmas. 
There was one in Canada. I think there's Australia. England, there's a couple of around the place. And they mm. even show it to certain people. This is, this is not coming from me. This is coming from the HSE in Ireland, for example. I've showed them. There it is. In front of you. They're stamped on it. No, it must be something. I said, it, they're telling you. It's almost this. It's just, they can't stop to think for a second. that Look, this is, as you mentioned, critical thinking. They can't just for a second say, look, oh, actually, it's real. Yeah, this is actually a real thing. Because they're at one hand, at one end of the corridor, they're telling you, we can't prove it. We haven't nicely, we haven't done through the whole process. We can't actually prove its existence. They're admitting this. And at the other end of the corridor, oh, two more patients died today of COVID-19. I mean, the level of the scam and the deceitfulness but, but is... But they can't, but they can't prove that either because people often say to us, well, what about all these people that are dying of it? I say, well, and, and how do you know what they're dying of? And the flu you know, just disappeared. How do you know? <laughs> I mean, and why would the government in this country, in the UK... Why would they suspend while this COVID thing's going on? They've suspended autopsies for COVID patients. You go, what? Why? Have, why? What are you afraid of? You know, surely if uh, someone dies of something, you want to do an autopsy to find out what they've died of. You know, that's always been the case, but they've suspended it. So there's no autopsies on COVID. People are supposed to have died of COVID. So how are they coming up with figures then of uh, how many people have died of COVID when they've got, again, they've got no proof because exactly. they've suspended autopsies. So they can say anything they like. Course, and as yeah. we know, and it happened in, in the UK, you know, quite a famous case with the comedians uh, Little and Large, and uh, those who may remember them, and uh, although they've been retired, but uh, Eddie Large had suffered with his heart for 10 years. And uh, was it last year? Twice, uh, yeah. I forget which year it was. Because... He, he went in to hospital with a heart attack and died. And they put died of COVID on his death certificate, which infuriated his family because yeah. he quite obviously hadn't. He died of a heart attack. Uh, this is the sort of thing they've been doing. And the same in America. We've talked to doctors over there. It's, it's extremely corrupt what's happening. So the, the authorities can make up any figures they like and no one can disprove it. They can say anything and, and they are doing. So they just make up these numbers. They just can tell you as many... I mean, I think I forgot how many tens of thousands of people die in the UK every month. And that figure stays pretty much the same. And there's not been any great increases in those deaths. But um, so what's going on? Where are all these extra deaths from supposed COVID? Well, there aren't any. You know, when you look at the statistics, there aren't any extra deaths uh, month on month, uh, year on year. Uh, there aren't any. So... It, it is nonsense, you know, and, and as I say, you don't need to dig very deeply to realise that what we're being told by the government and the media, who are their, who are, are their mouthpiece, uh, is not substantiated by the facts, and it's not substantiated by science. Um, this is the problem, of course, you know, speaking to people that they're bombarded by the so-called uh, information being put out by the media, by the BBC, by the government, by all these different newspapers. And so it's just constant information for the well, so-called information overload. So there, you know, it, it must, there's so much information, it must be true. You know, why would they all be lying? And so it's, you know, it is cognitive dissonance. You know, it's very difficult for them to, to suddenly see something new. So it, it's finding a way really to just say, to, to pose the questions to, um, uh, put the evidence forward that um or rather to show them that there isn't any evidence and to to put some of the points that we've been making you know in this discussion to them to say well 
you know, the burden of proof is on the people who propose the theory. We've looked, there is no evidence um, for, uh, you know, the existence of this so-called virus particle, you know, uh, but, but to just kind of try and put some points and hope that they'll pick up on some of the information. But it's, you know, there is so much that shows that this is a, a scam, a hoax or whatever, um, you know, that there should be something that they'll be able to understand. But it, it is very, very difficult when they're just bombarded all the time by these so-called, you know, facts, if you like. But if they turned off the television and, and as you say, looked out in the real world, they'll say, mm. where are the people who are dropping down dead with this COVID? It's just, you know, and it's, where, it's, and where's it's, the proof, you know, or exactly. where's the proof that someone claims someone's died of COVID? So, and, and how do you know? Because, yes, yes, because they've banned them being uh, an autopsy done on them. So how do you know what they've died of? Yeah. You know, it's simple things, but people don't ask. They just want and people unfortunately just will not think that's the that's the surprising part for me over the last 12 months not any alleged virus or pandemic or any of that nonsense it's just the complicity of humanity on a global scale how they have just bowed down to this and their, their thoughts have just frozen everything has just stopped in their mind people that i knew are very intelligent or i thought it was anyway they've just stopped everything has stopped thinking and it's like oh we need to wash our hands we need to do this and we don't. i was like what is wrong with you i've never wore a mask since day one i never put the toxic shit in my hands i will not do any of those measures and then nobody no matter what these COVID passports and all this stuff like i'm looking into common law and stuff like that myself as well i'm trying to use that as a route for obviously because we want to travel overseas we want to do different things but I'm not bowing down to these regulations or in a workplace if I have to, well, you must get this PCR test, right? I will not. And we, that's another topic in itself to go down, but it's, I will not be. I know yeah. all that stuff as well. And that's been well repeated, especially Dr. Andrew Kaufman has tore that upside down. It's, it's, he's done a fantastic job going through all that kind of stuff uh, month after month through in, in the very early stages. He's, he's been doing a fantastic job on it. But um, and I know in your book as well, you just briefly touched on like fact checkers. I know you talked about full fact, of course, here in the UK as well. Who's who's beside it? None, none other than George Soros, of course. So you see all these billionaire gurus in here again, of course. And it's funny you mentioned Public Health England because I just in brief, I had a podcast today with talking about 5G and I actually wanted to go into the room. I know our time is limited and we will talk about what really makes it in one second. But I wanted to get you on another hopefully to talk about the cancer, the 5G and the radiation and the electromagnetic fields and all this stuff as well, which is vital to what's been going on at the moment. Because as we've been locked down, what's been rolled out as a essential, you know, 5G. But um, it's, it's um, what was interesting about Public Health England, if you're talking about the whole 5G scenario itself, is that the... People say that, like, oh, it's okay, there's no radiation, it's not dangerous. And because and, I know people have got MPs and they've sent letters to them saying, oh, hold on, let's get a moratorium on this for a minute now. Let's take a, a look as to what's actually, because it's affecting nature, it's affecting everything. Never mind just the human, the human body, it's affecting everything globally from Elon Musk and Bill Gates to what he's shooting up into the sky and bringing this into a complete mesh of this toxic uh, stuff that's going around the world. But the interesting thing is, I've seen a few people that did write to MPs in, in Ireland and, and England, our councillors and these people as well. And they said to stop, put a moratorium. And what they got back in response, the vast majority that did respond, they got back a generic email, copy and paste from, they said, Public Health England. It's okay. Once Public Health England says it's okay. But I mean, that's another story to go behind all that again. But no, I say it's just more stuff. Your book is, is fantastic going through it. But as I say, to finish, um, I say, what really does make you ill, as, as it says okay. in your own book? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, because, you know, we... <laughs> Over the 10 years of research, we looked at all the things that are uh, supposed to make you ill and found out that they didn't. So we obviously had to look at, well, what did make you ill? And because of a long story short, well, 
put in a 10 year story short um we boil it down to uh, i'll call back factors. in a few days yeah <laughs> <laughs> we boil it down to four factors which i'll just run through and that is, is that and this was the this is the case for all illnesses uh, they all boil down to one or more of these four factors which are a lack of proper nutrition because you need the correct nutrition to 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 drive the body so that it can look after itself that it can detox itself so lack of proper nutrition uh, toxic overload so this is toxins coming into your body which is dependent upon what you put in and on your body what you come into contact with uh, which we talk about quite a lot in the book um, emfs which you mentioned electromagnetic frequencies which is becoming more and more intense all the time all uh, i mean as people probably know i am an electrical engineer that's that was my stock in trade for over 50 years um so i know a bit about it um so electromagnetic frequencies <laughs> um so anything electrical puts out electromagnetic frequencies and the body human body has an electrical system as well as a chemical system the pharmaceutical companies of course only ever treat the chemical system all of their pharmaceutical products which as you quite rightly point out are based on petrochemicals there's a uh, a dark alliance between the uh, chemical companies and the pharmaceutical companies so they only ever treat the chemical side of the body and completely ignore or know nothing about the electrical side but ancient systems like the chinese acupuncture which i know, I know you you know about um they do treat that's what the meridians are this is this very subtle energy system in the body that um, can be manipulated and without it the two work together the chemical system and the electrical system in the body work together synergistically and if one is out of balance it throws the other out and vice versa so they all have to be in harmony and working correctly now if you imagine that um, you've got outside electrical interference and this can be demonstrated if uh, i often say well you know what happens if you've got a little portable radio and someone operates some electrical drill or power tool in close proximity to it and um, particularly if the drill is unsuppressed you'll get all sorts of whistles and crackling and interference on your radio. Well, that's EMFs at play. It's been transmitted through the air and it's interfering with the electrics of your radio. Now imagine the human body is just the same. So it's got this very subtle electrical system and there's been bombarded with all these very high powered, in some cases, uh, electrical energy from outside. So it's hardly surprising that it's going to have a, an effect on how your body works. And this affects all sorts of things. Uh, with uh, the oxygen uh, carrying of the blood, it, it affects all sorts of things, neurological uh, problems as well. All sorts of things, things stem from this. So EMFs can be very detrimental, are very detrimental. Um, and then finally, uh, is prolonged and excessive emotional stress. Uh, stress works very detrimentally on the body. And of course, at the moment, everyone, the majority of people that is, are suffering very high levels of stress continuously with this uh nonsense that's going on and the fear and it's the fear yeah which is emotional stress strong emotional stress i mean and you've only got to look at the suicide rates that have increased all around the world we were told by doctors in america that in america it's, it's gone up by 30 percent i mean that's horrendous suicide rates to go up by 30 percent mm. what do you think could be the cause of that mm. <laughs> could it be related to the scaremongering well i would say so and it's uh, similar in this in the uk so it's not only the uh, emotional stress that can drive people to suicide, it, it has a very detrimental effect on the body. Stress 
produces what's called free radicals, which do get produced in the body, but you get an excess of these things that are called free radicals, which um, can be damaging a tissue level, cellular level in the body, unless they're mopped up. Now the body has uh, its own systems um, to, to do that, but that's when we come back to nutrition. You have to have the right level of nutrition to produce the right level of antioxidants and antioxidants mop up these free radicals. So you can see how it all knits together. So if you've got poor nutrition, and high levels of stress, you can see that uh, that's going to have very detrimental effects on the body. Uh, I'm only giving a very brief overview mm. here. Sorry about this. Sorry about that. It's all right. All right. That happens. I've got to put that. Oh, no, oh, no, no, you haven't frozen. Okay. <laughs> um, we're still on, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry still, still recording. Um, All right. Right. We okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry, I've lost my thread now. Where, where do we got to? So, um, yeah. So the the body has the right mechanisms of providing you get the right level of nutrition. Nutrition. It can handle the uh, free radicals that get produced by uh, various things. Not least of which is the EMFs. Uh, not least of which is uh, high levels of emotional stress. So uh, the body is will always seek to get homeostasis, will always seek to get balance. So if you look after those four items that we found and keep them right, so you keep the right levels of nutrition, you keep your toxic intake down to an absolute minimum, uh, you reduce your exposure to EMFs, so you know don't hold your cell phone to your head, um, certainly don't have electrical equipment in your bedroom. If you've got cordless telephones, as I found, because I have the equipment to be able to test it, and once I found out the amount of high levels of electromagnetic radiation coming from the base stations of cordless telephones, mine, mine went straight out and in the bin, you know, so I don't have them, and I would advise people not to have them. They, they may be very handy, but they're really damaging to health. So it's little things. If you're not using your Wi-Fi router, switch it off, particularly at night if you don't need it, it, you, you can't eliminate the EMFs, unfortunately, mm. but just try and mitigate it, try and keep them an absolute minimum. And of course, stress, you know, is remove the things that cause you stress. That's why, as Dawn was saying earlier, for us to be able to remove the stress of a, a deadly virus, you know, once you realize there isn't one, mm. that, as we found, takes a lot of stress off many people who are scared to go out almost. And once yeah. they realize there's nothing to be scared of, that takes a lot of stress away. And they can take the mask off. And they can take yeah. the mask off. They don't need to social distance and go and see their relatives, you know, choose what the government say and ignore that. You go and see your loved ones, you know, human contact is very important mm. and to keep human beings away from one another causes stress uh, because it's very unnatural. So it's all these sorts of things. Again, we discuss them in detail uh, in our books, yeah. but that's what we found. Uh, these four factors, uh, a mixture, one or more, it's usually more than one, are the cause of uh, all illness that affects mankind uh, is nothing to do with germs of any kind so uh, <laughs> um, or genes or, I mean that's the other thing of course that uh, <clears throat> we haven't really sort of touched on but I mean a lot of um, so-called illnesses are you know if they can't blame a germ they'll try and find a mm. gene or a mutation or something but uh, again that, that's a, another long topic but uh, yeah. um, there's more than ample evidence that uh, genes do not control 
biology do not control our bodies. Um, they are affected by um, other factors. So, um, you know, things like sort of environmental toxins can affect how different genes are um, switched on or switched off. And so, you know, they're not what's in control. And if they're mutated, that's due to sort of other factors as well. It's what not we're, that what they... we're actually finding is that in the same way as uh, virology is, um, what should we say, a groundless uh, methodology, we're finding that uh, what the other factor that we just said, geneticists and their sort of presumptions uh, are misguided too. So we're, we are actually doing some work with uh, Dr. Stefan Lanker actually on this. Uh, he's done a lot of work on it. So that's something else we're working on, but it's, it's looking like it could go down the same route as virology to show that it's a very misunderstood uh, exercise and that the people using uh, genetics um, not only in the most case are misguided, but there are again vested interests to try and push this uh, idea of genes and what it can do. Um, so it's uh, it's something we're looking further into. But again, not for people to be afraid that uh, they've inherited some desperate gene that's going to make them ill for the rest of their life or something. Uh, I mean, we do cover it to a certain extent in the section in the book about GMO foods, um, saying you know, sort of explain it in a little bit more detail that. Uh, um, you know, this is this is the other aspect that uh, you know they try and say these problems are are based on genetics. So, uh, and that certainly isn't the case. But obviously, it's uh, it is a more complex um, yeah. science, as it were. But uh, the human genome project project, far from actually verifying what uh, geneticists, geneticists believed, they actually shocked them because they found that uh, the human uh, you know this human genome that there were far fewer genes and so everything was rather different from they expected and that's that's made some big changes so that's another area that requires a lot more uh, research mm. because it's it's misunderstood but it's also misrepresented because it makes people think oh well it's you know it's there it's in their genes they're bound to get um xyz um which, which can be which can be cancer i mean people have yes. done dreadful things to themselves uh, some famous uh, actresses that uh, you might think of you know with being afraid that uh, they're going to get breast cancer, um, you know, and even private individuals think that because their mother had breast cancer or someone else in the family, therefore they're going to get it, which is a great fear and uh, can be sometimes be a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah. your thoughts do, does affect your body. Which is and, where uh, the stress factor comes in. So again, but yeah. as we've shown with the four factors, it's not just diseases that are called so-called infectious diseases. It, um, these four factors apply to uh, all other so-called again so-called diseases because they're not diseases that you catch or you get these are um, the symptoms are processes that the body produces for looking after itself um, because the body is a self-healing self-correcting um, organism it, it's an interconnected organism that is always seeking to restore homeostasis to bring itself back to health and it does everything it can to do that um, and that's what the symptoms are. It's, it's clearing out the rubbish, um, but the more uh, toxins that are put into the body, the, the harder it is. And so certain um, symptoms then become more, uh, become deeper within the body. And that's where you get so-called chronic conditions like heart disease or cancer. But that doesn't mean that they can't be reversed, but people do need to pay attention to all of the four factors to be able to um, 
get themselves back to a, a better state of health, if not complete health. Yeah, and, it, and it's and, very and that, as, as we've said, that includes cancer, you know, which most people mm -hmm. again are afraid of. But you know, that comes around from a long-term uh, poisoning, let's say, of the body, but that can be reversed. You know, um, you know, we've come across reports where um, it's been said that most people will have a, a cancerous growth somewhere in their body at some stage in their life, and for the most part, they won't even know, and. Mm -hmm their body can correct it and it will disappear and they won't even know it's happened. You know, but you can see what happens. Someone may get a growth or, and they go to the doctor and, and of course, then they're on the, the dark and slippery road, you know, because the doctors don't understand it and they go, oh, well, you're going to have to go on chemotherapy or radiotherapy or something like that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the slippery slope, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, yeah, the body is a fantastic thing. And if you treat it right, then it will correct itself um, in, in almost all cases, unless it's total overload. I mean, obviously there are some toxins that uh, in sufficient quantity will kill you straight away. I'm thinking of arsenic, cyanide, mm. strychnine. There are some toxins which can overwhelm the body, of course, in large enough doses. Um, we don't deny that, but um, <clears throat> most people fortunately don't, uh, don't come into contact with that sort of uh, level of uh, toxicity it's usually in small ways and it's usually through innocuous things you know the things they eat drink put in and on their body and we we name all these things in the book so that it gives people a, a fair chance to recognize the sources of the toxins and therefore avoid them okay and you i know you cover water a lot of bit in your book as well is is, is quite interesting yes. and uh, and the fact of you know everything in the last 12 months well besides the 12 months but really in the last 12 months has been really ramped up as well is is the medical industry the push for drugs, 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 vaccines, drugs, so on and so on. Nobody has been shouting from the rooftops about, well, what about our own immune system? How about vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, or normal stuff like that we could actually use and boost our immune system? Like I said, the body is an un unbelievable, powerful system. And that's all just been dropped to one side in because of, we know, vested interests and so on and so on that we, we've been down the route. But even what you mentioned earlier, uh, touched on Dawn as well, was the fact that the... the um, uh, where it? Well, I can't think of the bloody name, name of the word now. But where it? Um, where they had a they have a Kent variant, they have a Brazil variant, they have an African variant, where it mutated, and uh, that's the yeah, word I'm looking yeah. for. All, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. You know, But how, as <laughs> as you said before, how can you have a mutation of something you've never yeah. found or isolated the so-called first one in the first place? I mean, that's another scam that they're coming on, like the asymptomatic and all these ones to keep driving the agenda for because. My, my thinking is just, well, you know, more and more people were waking up to the, to the first one, shall we say. So now we just keep the thing running by more mutations and more this and more that. Because if you're the greater the lie at times, the more you're making up, you can add any symptoms so you can add anything, anything you want to it. The list is just endless because it's not a real something to be actually properly, genuinely scared or worry about. But of course, the fear factor, unfortunately, globally is such an intimidating factor for so many people. And at the end of the day, we have the power. They do not have the power. The only reason they have the power because people just so easily and freely give their power away to these authorities. And it's just so exactly. frustrating. I'm trying to get through to people on this. Just because he picks up a, a police uniform out of his wardrobe in the morning, that doesn't make him any better or more powerful than, than me or you, for argument's sake. So stop thinking mm. that these individuals, that they have more power. They're human like us. Well, some of them I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd question. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's, 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 that's the kind of road we're in with this situation. But I mean, yeah, there's loads of stuff I'd love to go down and uh, on the road, but I'm um, witchy and stuff. But but for today, um, you've given us so much information, uh, Dawn and David. It's been an absolute pleasure.
uh, having you on today. Uh, I want to tar- thank you very much for the work you're doing because it, I mean, I said it once, if not said it twice, but it really is turning the medical industry on its head, this. Um, so uh, I won't be surprised if you're getting censored. I won't be surprised if you're getting a, a certain backlash because I know it'll be from the medical industry, I've thought, but um, from the people like normal people that actually want proper change without these vested interests and these toxic stuff constantly going into their body. And it's, it's crazy. So no, I want to genuinely thank you for, for this book. Um, it really is um, a remarkable book. And even though it took 10 years, it was well, well worth it. I'm, I'm telling you, there'll be so many people. I'll be sharing this with people and a lot, a lot of contacts and connections. I'm going to be getting it out to them as well, just to just to get you out there as well, because it really is um, worth reading. So, no, thanks Thank very you. much today for giving me your time. And is there anywhere that people can actually uh, find this book? Because I know as far as I gather, you're not selling it on your website or yourself. So just, no, no. But before we do go, tell people actually where they can find you and where they can actually sure. find this book as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if uh, people come to our website, which is, uh, what, unsurprisingly, it's called whatreallymakesyouill.com. Yeah. <laughs> so people can come there. Um, they can't buy the book from there, but there's, you know, obviously all books end up on Amazon. So you can always go to Amazon and just put the title in or, or even put our names in. Um, there, you can go onto our site and there's a look inside on our site. So people can go on to the book in a, on our site. And they can have a look through it you know it's quite a nasty uh, nasty bit of software there we can flick the pages and read bits of it uh, look at the index so that's quite useful for people to get a flavor of it we put articles up there that people can read for free and obviously uh interviews like this one will be linked up there so that people can look at some of the stuff we've said and been doing over this last 12 months or more and um so there's lots of lots of stuff they can do there so so that's uh, what really makes you ill.com is a good place to start. Um, if people don't want to use Amazon, which, you know, understandably understand. a few people are, are kind of writing to us and saying, sorry, I don't want to use Amazon. Yeah. There are other online booksellers um, around the world. Some distribute freely around the world. So, you know, there are other outlets, fortunately. It's, um, the book, but, the book Depository not- is one of them. Uh, the Book Depository, because people in South Africa, we're having trouble getting the book because uh, Amazon yeah, don't. Uh, yeah, uh, Amazon don't deliver there, but the book depository uh, does. So um, you know that's that's just one. Uh, there are plenty of them that people can go to and uh, get the books if, if they want to. And of course they can get the Kindle version. Although they, that's only from Amazon. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's only from Amazon, of course. But uh, um, uh, the electronic copy is quite useful for people because uh, one is well, one is it's cheaper, of course, and one is it's instant. They get it straight away, and um, and you, you can search it because you can put in keywords and you can search the book. So some people like that. Um, but some people like a physical book. Um, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, like us. We're, yeah, we're like myself. Fashion. I love the physical yeah. book because the contents is five pages of it. You can easily just navigate to, to yeah. what you want. So I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. really well done. As you can see, we like real books too. <laughs> yeah, I see that, and that's only. A, that's only a small selection of them. We've got hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of them. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that's a good one-stop place yeah. for people. Go to our website, whatreallymakesyouill.com, and they can find out more about us and about the book and uh, about the interviews. We've done a lot of them, uh, so they can hear what we've had to say about stuff and uh, hopefully we'll help people to stop being afraid and to take back their power, not only for their health, mm. they can be in total control of their health, you know being ill is not a natural thing it's an unnatural thing you don't need to be ill and you don't need to spend lots of money um to, to stay well it, the, the rules are fairly sim- simple um so yeah take back your power take back your health and uh, 
start standing up to this uh, tyranny that we're uh, living under at the moment. Uh, yeah. We have to, because if we don't, uh, our chances will slip away completely. Uh, so yeah. I do urge people to small actions. We're not talking about violence, but small actions, you know, yeah. um, like stopping wearing masks and social distancing, all yeah. that. You don't need to do it. You're not endangering yourself. Uh, so don't or do anyone it. Else. Or anyone else. No. So don't do it. There's no reasons yeah. for it. Yeah, but this emotional blackmail, you're made feel that you well, you're you're going to be making granny or you're going to be somebody else. Is this consistently all the time? That and that's the way they leave leave it like that as well, because on purpose, because people cannot simply um they know governments are corrupt, they know the media are corrupt, but they cannot simply wrap their head around the scale of this global evil for what it is. I mean, it's 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 incredible, it's monumental level as that. And people simply can't go from here thinking, oh, they've done a bit of corruption in the past to get up to here, to think that it's on this global scale is a question I often get asked myself. But Chris, how could they carry it out in every country? How come all governments are in it? And you've, you, we, we went through how that can be kind of done, but I go through in detail as in, in other podcasts as well as to how it, this is actually pulled off. And it's not some you know, um, conspiracy theory or anything like that. This is actually very, very real. And if people actually look hard enough, they'll find the documentation themselves telling you, how does a lot of us know this stuff is coming. It's been told. It's, you know, we go back to Orwell, you go back to loads of people in the past. How do they know about all this stuff? All this stuff is, is telling us as the roadmap is, is, is ahead for us. So if you kind of know at the very end of the, the road, what's there, you can see how they're moving uh, as, as they go along. But like you say, at the very start on, you quite rightly mentioned that um, these are the agendas, these are what's, what's ahead. But it doesn't mean they have to be carried out because humanity yeah. can actually step in front of them and stop this. So while yeah. things are said to people, it sounds a bit doom and gloomy at certain times, but we have the power. If we just realize it and take it back and stop giving it away, we can put the roadblocks. Humanity can put roadblocks of themselves in front of it. And this all yeah. has to go away. It's, exactly. it's, it really is as simple as that. And it's a case yeah. of mass non-compliance. Just stop complying. That's it. I will not comply. I will not comply any of the measures, no matter what. I will not be intimidated by it. And people need to simply get their own fear, first of all, out of that and stop thinking of a guy in a dark suit or a guy wearing a police badge. He's, I don't think he's just another human being. That's it. Just, just move on with your life. Get the fear factor out. Not alone will it get you back to normality or so, but it'll actually help your health. From he, he quite mm. rightly described in the book as well, your all-around health. Um, mm. so, but, but to leave it at that, because I know we could talk for hours and hours. <laughs> Yes, but it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you gone. So yeah, I just want to thank you, thank you again for what the work you're doing. And uh, I definitely wish you best in the future. And I hope we'll be in touch again at another stage and um, to come back for more of these type interviews, I say is vital because you just, you plant the seeds and you know what country or where they lie on, on yours uh, for people to actually pick it up and get into it. So no, fantastic again, what you're doing. So thanks Don and Dave. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, yes, if, you want to uh, talk to us again about some of the other topics in the book we're more than happy to do that so uh, uh, thank you for right. your time too and uh, we really sincerely hope that it uh, helps some of your audience yes. to yes, stop being be. fearful exactly and to, to take a positive change exactly yeah e exactly so okay. you've been listening and watching mind wars please like share and subscribe it really is essential at this time now more so, more so than ever to get just the word out to people of what's going on. This, this uh, conversation, above all, has got to do with your health, but it's impacted everything else that's going on, the tentacles that come off from this as well. So it really is vital to, to go and look at, look, at their, look at their website and look at the book it's, and look at, check out their interviews they've done. It's been absolutely amazing and just stop the fear and we can get back to, to normality. So thanks, everybody. Until next time, we'll see you then.